You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're getting into a midweek mailbag, a midseason mailbag, as the Bengals come off their bye week, and we're off on Tuesday as well as they get back into the, the regular swing of things. So we've got a bunch of questions from you to answer. But before we get to the questions, James, we also have a new updated official depth chart from the Cincinnati Bengals. And Nothing too surprising here. If you're looking on YouTube, we've got the depth chart pulled up for your viewing pleasure. But if you're listening in your car and you're making us your first listen on your way to work, well, we appreciate that very much. And if not, might as well get into the habit. We, we can tell you to start telling your smart device again to play the Lockdown Bengals podcast. But either way, the notables on the depth chart here. On the offensive side of the ball, the, the very obvious Hakeem Adeniji starting at right guard over Jackson Carmen, just as we all expected. Mm-hmm. On the defensive side of the ball is, I guess, where things are a little bit more interesting. First off, the thing that jumps out at me is Vernon Hargraves is buried on the depth chart, <laughs> both at nickel corner and at outside corner, backing up. Well, he's third string. He's behind Jalen Davis at nickel corner, and he's behind Darius Phillips and presumably Trey Flowers on the outside. So the newcomer to the team, Vernon Hargraves, some people thought he might push Eli Apple for playing time. I'll tell you this, James, he's not even on the line where Eli Apple is listed. He's listed as the second backup to, to Chidobe Abuzie, not listed at all as a backup to Eli Apple, but I'm, I'm assuming with enough injuries, he would eventually get it on that side of the field, but no controversy on this depth chart. Because Vernon Hargreaves and Eli Apple, if you were to read it literally, aren't even competing. Yeah, and so here's the thing: is yeah, it looks like he's buried, but I do wonder if they did this so there wasn't a oh he's behind Eli Apple. Oh, do you see? You know, because you, you, you never know. And uh, a few weeks ago, right, we talked about Trey Flowers and could he push Eli Apple? And it, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But he's second behind Apple, so it's one of a couple things. Either this is the way it is right now and he's going to have to earn his keep and may, might not even be Eli Apple's backup or – and maybe it's both, right? Or it's, uh, you know, the, the other side of it could be, yeah, they want to avoid the, oh, call for Vernon Hargraves. And, and by, by the time the Steelers game rolls around next week, you could see Vernon Hargraves signs and anti-Eli Apple signs. Like, you know, there, there's some gamesmanship that could be played there as well. So – I think uh, I think it is clear though that Hargraves probably not going to start on Sunday against the Raiders, uh, despite some speculation there, and uh, he's going to have to earn his way onto uh, onto the field. When I retweeted the depth chart, somebody replied to me and said, "How is Vernon Hargraves not getting time over Eli Apple?" And my response to that question is, I think the better question right now is, can he get out from third on the depth chart and be a backup instead of a backup's backup? Right. And and that's the way <laughs> yeah. the depth chart looks right now. We'll find out probably in relatively short order how yeah. true or not that is. The other interesting bits, Joe Batchy and Marcus Bailey, of course, the backup linebackers there. Uh as as a Bengals depth of the position without Akeem Davis Gaither, who's now lost for the years, really being tested. I think we have a mailbag question about those guys. And the other one that we talked about yesterday, James, the the kick returners without Brandon Wilson 
are listed as Darius Phillips and not Trent Nerwin, as I speculated, who's backing up the punt return job. But the other guy we talked about yesterday, Chris Evans, which suggests that there's at least some level of comfort from Darren Simmons and this coaching staff with Chris Evans being ready to go back there and return kicks, which I, I agree with your reaction. If you're watching on YouTube, James is losing his mind. I, I think it's good news. Not that it's necessarily terribly meaningful, but giving Chris Evans more opportunities to get the ball into his hands, I think is a good thing. And so I like that he's listed here as a backup kick returner and that he's getting work in that part of his game. It's Captain America time, Jake. That's what it means. It's Captain America time. By the way, Chris Evans' favorite superhero, not Captain America. Anyways. Um, Who is it? Yeah, he he told Dan Hart on, um, on the Bengals Booth podcast. I don't think he had one, and then he – and then he went on to say, I forget. I need to go back and listen. But it, it was not – I'll ask Dan tomorrow. It was not Captain America, which is hilarious. But either way, that was the Captain America dance pose that you saw uh, right there. Look, I don't know if Chris Evans is going to be a good kick returner. I think that there's a chance Darius Phillips ends up being a damn good punt returner and kick returner down the stretch. But he hasn't been a good punt returner so far this season. Um, but I think – that the the fact that the organization is at least willing to try this, it, it's a good step, especially if Darius struggles at times, because I, I think Evans is really, really talented. So it's a lot of hype. Who knows? You might not even need him. And uh, hopefully he's, like you said on uh, on Tuesday's show, or no, was it Monday's show? I don't know. The days go together. Um, Tuesday's show, that uh, if you can get Chris Evans the ball on offense over you know a special teams touch here or there, if I had to pick, I thought about it. Yeah, I would take Chris Evans getting the ball in his hands on offense. Took me yeah. 24 hours, but uh, you got me to get a, give you an answer. Well, I mean, you're not wrong that it can be both, but the, the you, you do this to me sometimes too, right? Where you give me a question, I'm like, well, no, that's not the choice. And then I did it yeah. to you. And yep. and now I guess you know how it feels. Speaking of questions, James. Based on my own medicine. Go ahead. We have a lot of questions to get to here in the mailbag. Mm-hmm. Let's hit one. Let's hit a fun one. And and then we'll come back and we'll get the rest of the questions taken care of. Fun today, boy. You have seen me. I think we've had this question before, but now that you've seen me eat a skyline order, we're going to revisit this question. This comes from the Scudge at J Scudgeons on Twitter. Who could eat more skyline conies in thirty minutes between you and I, James? After you've now seen my skyline order and how much I can put down. You did Which, put down a lot, um, and that wasn't my limit. For the record, uh, well, I could have eaten that too. I just can get Skyline anytime I want because you know I live here. <laughs> you know, I but I, I get it because when I lived in Cleveland and I would go to Skyline, I would always you know juice it up with another Coney or another Toledo or maybe get a large three way instead of a regular, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I you might be the favorite, like the betonline.ag favorite. Maybe we can get them to give us some odds, <laughs> but. Am I betting on me? Dude, I'm like the most competitive human on the planet. So, yeah, I, I think I'd kick your ass. So there we go. Maybe next time you're in Cincinnati, we can we can do this and do it just, for a good cause or something. That'd be fun. Just hurt ourselves right away. Just go to Skyline <laughs> and put ourselves into a world of – I mean, Live stream it. We, we could live stream it on YouTube. We could. I mean, how many – do you think you get double digits? Do you think you get 10? Because I think I get 10 in 30 minutes. See, my in thing 30 is – I, I don't usually eat the Coney anymore. 
I usually get one coney and then do the chili oh, cheese sandwiches. So that's right. I the salt might get me before I get full. Yeah, you know maybe. I mean? So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I do think it's it's closer maybe than than one might think. Uh, where you know you you've got a little bit of an of an age advantage on me, and the big thing that you point out is you have a big competitiveness edge over me. Like I'm just not competitive enough to really push myself in, in a competitive setting like that. But yeah, I think it would be close. If it, if it was just us, I probably wouldn't be that. But it, if I know that the locked on Bengals world <laughs> is watching, bro, I ain't losing. I can't lose. What do you? Oh man, no way. So, you know, and, and, could you imagine if it was a built bar eating contest? It'd be even crazier. So that would be kind of challenging they're dense they're delicious but they're dense it'd be hard to put a lot of those down let's get into the rest of our mailbag questions including some you know bengals questions coming up next but first i gotta tell you about get upside because it's the amazing app that's going to save you money every time you fill up all you got to do is download it in the app store or google play right on your iphone or your android device it's free and you're going to save up to 25 cents per gallon every time you fill up plus Right now with promo code TOUCHDOWN, you're going to get a bonus $0.25 cents on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents off per gallon on your first fill-up. That's instant savings that you can use to buy Built Bars, Cheese Conies. And let's be honest, if Jake and I uh, are, are going to buy as many Cheese Conies as we need to uh, have this Cheese Cone eating contest, we're going to have to save a little money, and we can do so with GetUpside. You can too, and you can have your funds that you're saving uh, deposited to your bank account, PayPal, or with the holidays coming, an e-gift card from Amazon. Again, download GetUpside and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for up to 50 cents off per gallon on your first fill-up. 50 cents per gallon on a fill-up, if you drive a big enough vehicle, could probably buy you an entire Skyline dinner. I don't know what the prices are doing lately, but, you know. Oh, they're up. They're up. They're well, up 50... like Locked On Bengals stock is up. They're up. I like that. Let's get to our first Bengals question of the mailbag, James, from Brian at Bartbo on Twitter. Something went wrong. Please try again. Look at my phone interrupting. I didn't even hit anything. It just went. I went to pull up the questions. Anyways, Siri, this is first on the pod, Jake. Siri interrupting you. I apologize. Siri, you're grounded. Go ahead. Not not as cute as Finn's interruptions, to be honest. But Brian would like to know, with how the Bengals performed in the first half of the season, would falling short of the playoffs at this point or not winning double-digit games make the season a failure, in your opinion? Or is the team far enough ahead of schedule that this year is playing with house money? So that that last question, James, kind of implies the question of, is the team ahead of schedule as well? I think they could put... No, no actually, no. In the grand scheme of things, no. I think year two was the year last year was supposed to be the setup year for what was hopefully a playoff run. It would be year three of Zach and all of the things that go into it. But then Burrow's injury kind of throws that off course some because he only plays 10 games as a rookie. So how fair is it to expect him to be ready to go? So there's a lot of factors and, uh, you know, it's not black and white and, and there's no absolute answer. But getting back to Brian's start of that question, if at five and two, uh, the night of the Baltimore Ravens game, I'm in Baltimore enjoying delicious crab cakes following a Ravens uh, loss, by the way, 41-17. I told you on that podcast that the Bengals are only going to win four more games the rest of the season. 
If I said that, they're going to go four in what would they have to do? Four and six? Would anyone have thought that was okay or acceptable? So while I, I'm not willing to say like nine and eight is a failure or eight and nine is a failure, I think it would be a disappointment given their start. Not at the beginning of the season, but given where they were just a few weeks ago, five and two, and given how mediocre a lot of these teams have looked that are on their schedule, I think it would be a disappointment. I think that's the right word. Failure, bit strong, disappointment, yes. I think at this point, or at that point, I guess at this point it's a little bit different. If you were to ask this question after the Ravens game and you were to say they didn't win 10 games, you would ask us, is that a failure? I think we would have said yes. If you're five and two and you can't win five more games, you can't go 500 over your last 10 games Mm -hmm. in in a 17-game schedule, yeah, I I think you would probably say something has gone terribly wrong. And nothing has really gone terribly wrong except for the results on the field. And by something going terribly wrong, I mean, like, there's been a major distraction. There's been an injury. You know, Zach Taylor's been fired mysteriously in the middle of the year kind of thing, you know, where, where there's a major disruption. But at that point we were looking at, Oh, maybe seven and two at the bye, and now five and four at the bye. Mm-hmm. the last two weeks, the Bengals would tell you, Joe Burrow would tell you, Zach Taylor would tell you, Brian Callahan would tell you they've failed the last two weeks. Luana Rumo would tell you they've had failures in the last two weeks. They're not mm-hmm. giving themselves a D minus a barely passing grade for those games. They're giving themselves an F, especially for the way they finish against the Jets. Maybe maybe the Jets that give themselves a D minus because they, they just don't like the way they finish. They like the way they played in a lot of that game. But they to didn't me, start well either, but go ahead. To me, th- I, I think that given their start to the year, the wins they had, th- they should be getting to 10 wins here. And they need to find ways to start beating good teams. And if mm-hmm. they don't, then they're not a good team. And if they're not a good team, I I don't think this is ahead of schedule necessarily, right? It's not a year to, I mean, before the year, I guess we were talking about, yeah, if they get to 500, great. But after the start they've had, I think expectations changed. After the Ravens game, I think expectations changed. And we're looking back at some of these losses they've had and just scratching our heads. So to me, if you were to have asked me this question at the beginning of the year, I would say, yeah, they're ahead of schedule. And, and maybe they are playing with house money. You asked me this question two weeks ago. Absolutely. If you ask me now, it's much closer to the middle, but yeah, I would say so. They need to Look get at you. 10 wins. Yeah. That's it. I, I, I think that's fair. You can't go five and three. You can't go five and three. You started five and two. And, and by the way, you can't go five and three in a division where at worst you have the second best quarterback and you're playing all three of those at worst. He's better and, and than Baker. I don't care. And, and he's better beaten, than Ben. The, the one that you think might have a better quarterback. Yep. Might. So, yeah. And, and so, no, like, like I agree. And, and that's, that's why when you look at it, you know, there's uh there's certainly, you could make that argument. So that that's, uh that's that let's keep it rolling. There's, there's one for me. I'll have you uh, ask me that, but let's go to Brennan Kate at NFL Brennan with Akeem Davis gave Gaither presumably out for the rest of the season with a foot injury. What sort of adjustments Will that cause for the Bengals to have to make up for that part of the the production on defense? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think we'll see a combination of Joe Bacci and Marcus Bailey, although Mm -hmm. 
Marcus Bailey, I think, is clearly ahead on on the depth chart. But mm-hmm. what snaps do they need to replace is the question, right? Where has Akeem Davis Gaither been used? And Akeem Davis Gaither has been on the field predominantly in passing situations. 161 of his 207 snaps, and I'm going to do some quick math, so apologies if you hear me typing. 77.7% of his snaps are in coverage this year. So those are the snaps they need to make up. If Jordan Evans was still healthy, I think it would be him. But Mm -hmm. looking at the guys coming off the bench, Joe Batchy, 20 of his 23 snaps have come in coverage for the Bengals. Marcus Bailey, 23 of his 35 snaps have come in coverage for the Bengals. And last week, the Bengals threw Marcus Bailey out there in a man situation covering David Njoku in the the end zone. So if he's healthy, I guess two weeks ago now. And he broke up the pass. So... Mm -hmm. Marcus Bailey, I think, is a guy. But but what do they lose? I mean, I think that Akeem Davis Gaither as a pass rusher has skill. It hasn't really showed up in his 13 pass rushes this year, only getting home for one pressure. That's something that at Appalachian State he did well. So as a blitzer, do they find a way to replace his snaps? Because currently the only other guys in double digits in pass rushes in terms of snap count on the Bengals' defense are Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. And so looking at the other backups... They're, they're not using those guys. They're not putting those guys in and sending them on blitzes, which either means they're not very comfortable with them as blitzers or they just think their skill sets are better suited elsewhere. So those are the things they need to replace. I think it will be primarily Marcus Bailey's job to lose. But it'll be interesting also to see if they kind of shift roles around a little bit and say, okay, Marcus Bailey, you're going to take Jermaine Pratt's third down role when Jermaine mm-hmm. Pratt's on the field. Or maybe they go three safety more. This is the other one that I think probably deserve some consideration is more Ricardo Allen, Jesse Bates too high with Von Bell in the box. And what does that open that um, them up to is potentially some, some running stuff if teams choose to run it on third down. But if you do it in pure passing situations, which is mostly where Davis Gaither has been used, then you probably get away with it. Or maybe you could just throw Von Bell in the box and do a little single high, single high with my man 30, a little, little JB, JB 30. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm You're just, thinking about pure passing situations. Then we're, we're, what is Von Bell doing? Probably man on a on a running back or a tight end, which they've done some of. But how much do you want to do it? I mean, that's where I think we saw Von Bell exposed a little bit last year. So it's a little precarious in that in yeah. that sense. I yeah, and then is right. Do you like Von Bell or do you like Marcus Bailey in that situation? You know, it's tough. It's tough. It depends on the back. It depends on the um, the, the tight end. I imagine at least to a degree, but. Uh, Darren Waller this week, by the way. Yeah. um, You know what? We'll dive into that. I know exactly what I would do on Darren Waller. How about that? I've solved it. I know what I would do. We'll do that at some point later this week because, you know, that's what you call a tease. We'll continue with the mailbag next. But I got to tell you about Built Bar because I'm so damn energized today. You see me dancing. It has to be. Because of Built Bar. I I had a Built Bar earlier today. I'm about to crush this blueberry muffin one. We're going to have a two for today. Because uh, honestly, I'm starving. And this 17 ground, uh, grams of protein, 140 calorie uh, deliciousness is, is about to, to taste really, really good post-lockdown Bengals. And that's the thing. Whether it's post-workout, whether it's post-business meeting, Zoom meeting, or post-podcast, Built Bar is the perfect midday snack that can fuel you high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. And they taste amazing. Covered in 100% chocolate. There's something 
for everyone, including coconut, raspberry, mint, brownie, coconut, almond, salted caramel, double chocolate. So go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, get 15% off with promo code LOCK15 at built.com. While you do that, go check out betonline.ag, which remains your number one spot for all your basketball and football betting action this season. We're getting close to the college football bowl season, championship season. That's fun stuff. And obviously, with the Bengals in playoff contention, I know you're all paying more attention to the NFL this year as we get to November, December than you necessarily were last year. So BetOnline has a new updated desktop and mobile website. You can sign up today. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag using promo code LOCKEDON. 50% of free money on a match on your first deposit. Don't know how you can beat that. They've got all the sports. They've got all the props. They've got all the odds. Check it out right now at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports at BetOnline where the game starts. All right, James, I think we left off on you telling me that I had to ask you a question because we do have a question here directed to you from David Skeggs at Dave Skeggs on Twitter. And he would like to know what your prediction is for the final eight games and the odds that the Bengals make the playoffs. He would put it at 50-50, which is probably a little bit generous when you compare it to the, you know, the, the math-based playoff odds simulators out there that probably have it at like 40 something percent. Actually, I haven't checked after the rest of the division imploded this week, but James, this question is for you, not for algorithms. Look, I, I certainly think 50 50 is about right because you, you look at this team and what they've done and it's been this up and down roller coaster uh, type of a season where you have these really high highs, you have low lows, like losing to Chicago, a team that they shouldn't have lost to. And I get it. The Bears are looking better now. They were not good in week two. Uh, losing a game against the Packers there where, man, what a great win that would have looked like in hindsight, given how that defense is playing. And you let them off the hook. And, and then you lose a game against the Jets that I just, you, you know, you can't get over. So with that said, I'm really worried that that Jets game is going to come back to bite them. But looking at these final eight games, do I think they can go five and three? I think they can. Do I expect it? I don't necessarily expect it. And I don't know if that's my past of, you know, past of covering this team and knowing the team's history or, or knowing that it's a young coach and young coaching staff that hasn't won. Uh, if it's a quarterback that I expect to be great down the stretch. And I think it's fair to expect that out of Burrow, but there's some circumstances that could impact that. The offensive line, does he have to drop 45 every week because Lou's crew is just bad compared to where it was the first seven weeks of the season? I don't know. And, you know, the schedule is tougher. Um, so if I had to play the schedule game, I guess I guess that's the the question here. Um, the, the Raiders, I think it's a coin flip. I'll give my, my prediction later in the week. Then they have the Steelers. I'm doing this off of memory. I think they'll probably split with the Steelers. And then after that, it's the Chargers. They have them at home. feel pretty good about that game, but that's, you know, again, probably close to a coin flip. And then, I, you know, I'm forgetting, but you have the Ravens, you have the, the Chiefs, uh, you have the, the Browns, 40, and I'm missing one game, the 49ers. And I know the 49ers and, and a trip to the Broncos. In, in a, so I, I think you can beat Denver. It's a tough one. I think you can beat Denver there. Um, if Joe Burrow is what he, he is and Zach Taylor is what he is, you can beat San Francisco. They shouldn't out-physical you and push you around the way they did the Rams, who are 
man, they, I, I think there are uh, NFL network analysts calling them soft after what happened on Monday night. So um, I, I would say split with the Steelers, split with the Browns. That's reasonable. So you're one and one there. Uh, two and one if they beat the Raiders. You know, I, I think it's a nine and eight or, or 10 and 17 without going through each game off the top of my head. Um, but could, do I see a scenario where they could finish seven and 10 and things crumble? I do. Do I see a scenario where they can get to 11 and six? Probably not. I, I think they, they blew that chance when they lost to the Jets and then, then, and then got crushed by the Browns the following week. So nine and eight, 10 and seven cop out answer because a lot of people are probably picking them to finish around there, but that's how I feel. I don't think it's a cop-out. I think you do your predictions on a weekly basis and you can't spoil things. I'll say this, James. There's a lot of playoff leverage on this game in Vegas this yep. this weekend. If they lose that, if they well, let's start here. The Elo model at 538.com, for whatever it's worth, has them currently at 38% to make the playoffs. If they beat the Raiders, that jumps up to 55%. So plus 17. If they lose to the Raiders, that drops to 22%. 24%. Something like that. If they if they can beat the Raiders and and beat Pittsburgh and, and come out of this by hot, I don't know if they split with Pittsburgh, James, because I think Pittsburgh is dreadful. But that would be very fitting for this season as well in some ways. If they can win the next two games, they're back to more likely than not seventy percent roughly to make the playoffs. So just if they win the games, next two, print the tickets. But well, you know, I, I don't I don't win, know if they're going to win the next two. If they win the next two and then lose to the Chargers, it's back down to 50%. So they, they have a lot of work to do in front of them. But this kind of illustrates a point we were talking about yesterday, James, when each of the games has a ton of playoff implications for the Bengals down the stretch. The only one that doesn't have a ton going on that particular game is a 49ers game. Yeah. Every other game, Steelers, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, Browns, all of those teams are in the playoff hunt in the AFC. Each of yeah. these games is going to be pivotal to painting that playoff picture and the 49ers are in the playoff hunt too. Well, you know, I mean, and, and it's not like they can't beat you. They're certainly capable and they're well coached despite what yeah. some are saying in San Francisco. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be tough to, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things where it's uh, a tough ask for sure. It, it's definitely uh, a more challenging schedule. I, I only say it's less meaningful because they're not in the AFC and there's just less riding on that game in terms of playoff standings. That's all. Uh, let's uh, continue with the Natty King. A good question about Joe Burrow. He says, what do you think uh, is to blame for Joe Burrow's high interception numbers? I believe that only six have been clean. The rest have been tipped into the air, receiver mistakes. Does his dip in pass IQ this year come down on him or other issues such as the offensive line to blame? We looked at this yesterday too, James, and, and in terms of turnover-worthy plays, it's identical to last year. 3.2, 3.3%. So that hasn't changed. I think last year, a lot of them were fumbles. If, if, if it's not turnover worthy passes, cause he did have a fumbling issue last year and he's replaced those fumbles this year with, with interceptions, which are easier to blame the quarterback for. I, I don't. And we talked to Taylor about this. We talked to Callahan about this. I don't put a ton of this on Joe Burrow, but at the same time, it's a very fine line that he, that he treads sometimes in terms of knowing his limitations in terms of his arm strength and what windows he can fit the football into and where he needs to throw the ball away and not take the risk. And those are the ones that he's going to learn over time. He's going to be able to clean up. And then the other thing is just knowing where linebackers are on a couple of occasions has gotten him a little bit and, and linebackers making good plays. So 
Some of it is on him, certainly. Some of it is probably on the offensive line, although I would argue probably not very much. And some of it is is really good defensive play or, or Joe Burrow not diagnosing things correctly. So I think that a fair amount of the blame is on him. I wouldn't put much on the offensive line. And I put some of it on just bad luck. I think there's some mm-hmm. bad luck that's a part of it. And he needs to clean it up. And again, as as we discuss, every time this comes up with Burrow, I think I have every reason to believe that he will. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's fair to expect him to clean it up and, and to have a, a much more uh, turnover-free second half of the season. Uh, let's do one more Bengals watch party. Prioritize the following free agents as far as it, it keeping them past the 2021 season. Riley Reef, Quentin Spain, Larry Ogunjobi, B.J. Hill. It's tough because you, you would think the offensive linemen – Right. But but he makes a great point that Larry Ogunjobi, BJ Hill, and he didn't put him on the list, but Josh Tupo, another interior defensive lineman, free agent. I put Spain ahead of Reef only because he's younger and they they need somebody at right tackle. But and if they can get Reef back for another year, great. If they can get Spain for three years and he can keep up what he's done, you don't have to think about left guard or left tackle for for three two years. I guess John only has two years left after mm-hmm. his fifth year option um yeah because he lost yeah, he's, he's in year yeah. three yeah he's in year three right now yeah he lost the rookie year but you, you don't have to think about the left side of the offensive line which helps and i think quentin spain is a very valuable rookie riley reef i think is second and ogan jovi and bj hill flip a coin man some people are much higher on larry ogan jovi than i am he's been disruptive he's not finishing place he has more missed tackles than he has tackles this year. And while I really appreciate what he's been able to bring as a three tech penetrative kind of player where he's able to make chaos and create disruption in the backfield, he needs to finish those plays too. And, and he hasn't, and you go back and watch Nick Chubb's touchdown run, his explosive play 70 yard run. Larry Ogunjobi's in the backfield. He gets by essentially unblocked. The the guard blows his assignment or tackle blows his assignment, one of the two. And he just can't even slow Nick Chubb down. So I need to see Larry Ogunjobi start finishing those plays and not just creating the penetration, whereas BJ Hill has been less flashy, but has been more of a do-your-job kind of guy. So I think mm-hmm. they need a three-tech. But I, I mean, Larry Ogunjobi hasn't finished the job. And so I need to see that more. And I think he kind of is what he is at this point. And so I'm going to be controversial and say Spain, Reef, Hill, Ogunjobi. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I would differ a little bit. I would say Reef, Spain, even though Spain's been better. I think it's close. I think you can certainly keep both of them. And, yeah. and it won't be like Reef is getting his, his doors blown off by crazy offers. And same thing with Spain. And then Ogunjobi and Hill, I, I think, look, they're going to, probably only keep one or they might not, you know, it, it, there's so much, so many moving parts with that. Is this defensive staff here? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it depends on how the second half of the season goes. So that part's tough. I agree with you. Flip a coin there. I don't think either one is this game wrecker and you're not breaking the bank for either one. And if they ended up keeping one or keeping the other or keeping both because they're both good value, that's fine too. So uh, the priority would be the offensive line. And I do think that, Reef in Spain or Spain and Reef in whatever order, uh, they should be kept, assuming they continue to do what they did the first nine games over the next eight. 
Yeah, we agree there. And a lot might change between now and the end of the year, right? As you point out, they have to keep up their level of play. And maybe Larry Ogunjobi takes a step forward. Maybe BJ Hill takes a step back. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what happens? Ask us this question again in eight or nine weeks or so. And, and we'll see. But I agree. The offensive line should remain the priority. It's still not great. And they still need no. to figure out right guard. They still need to figure out Trey Hopkins and center. If Trey is going to be the guy or not, if he's going to get healthy or not. And the pass block win rate numbers are still kind of ugly. They're still in the bottom, like four or five in the NFL. If you look at next gen stats and it, it's been better in some ways, but the pressure rate in a lot of ways has also stayed the same. So maybe it's just Joe Burrow playing better right? Despite the changes they've made on the offensive line. So still some work to do there, work to do on the interior defensive line, work to do at the edge rusher position, work to do in the future. But that is work that we will talk about a whole lot more after the season, probably. It's just interesting to think about some of these questions at the midway point as well, which is why we wanted to fit this one in. Tomorrow, we're joined by your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. We'll cross over and start talking Las Vegas Raiders, who I'm sure I'll call the Oakland Raiders a few times before the Bengals and after the Bengals play this game this weekend. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay and have a good one.